Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, where as a church, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So if you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend worship experience. We'd love for you to stay connected with us by visiting us at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. Thanks for being with us, and we really hope you enjoy this message. Miracles did not stop in the New Testament of your Bible. They are happening in 2022, and they're going to happen in 2023 and 2024 until the Lord returns. Today, I want to explore one of the miracles in the Bible that some would consider to be one of the strangest, most confusing miracles Jesus ever performed. And I think you'll be surprised because this miracle doesn't look like the rest of the miracles that Jesus did. It does not fit our image of God, and it raises a lot of questions. But if we can make it through the confusion and the ambiguity, I think you will come out the other side with more understanding and more answers than you do have questions. The story I'm referring to is in the book of Mark, chapter 11, verses 12 through 14, and verses 20 to 23. You can read along with me on the screen. The next day, as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. And when he reached it, he found nothing but leaves because it was not the season for figs. Then he said to the tree, may no one ever eat from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. I'm not even mad at Jesus. I get it. I relate. That's how I feel every time I roll up into the Chick-fil-A drive-thru on a Sunday. <laughs> yeah, love, I'll get a number one. Hello? May no one ever eat from you again. So mad. <laughs> Verse 20. I don't care if it's for Jesus. Verse 20. <laughs> the next day in the morning as they went along, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots. Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, that means teacher, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. Verse 22. Have faith in God. Jesus answered, for truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go and throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. What a strange story and an even stranger miracle. To me, what really makes this story stand out or this miracle stand out is that unlike all of the other miracles in the Bible, this is the first miracle where Jesus doesn't help or give. This is the only miracle in the New Testament that can be deemed what theologians would call a destruction miracle. Of the hundreds and hundreds of miracles that Jesus in the Bible, this is the only one of that nature, and it seems to go against the grain of who we believe God to be, because in this miracle, listen, this is, this is good, this is, it, this is it, this is the point, Jesus seems to be taking and taking is not what God does in our mind. Taking is what the devil does. And God is the one who gives. And if that is your preconceived notion of God, when you hear this story, your mind begins to doubt the Lord. What makes it even more complicated is it doesn't even appear to be the, like the tree's fault. Like he wasn't a bad tree. Like it wasn't the season for figs. It seems almost unjust. And I think it's one of those Bible stories we read over quickly because if we sit on it too long, it makes us question not if God exists, but if God's good. And that can really mess with us. It's the same kind of feeling we probably get when we hear about a young person dying 
or a baby being born with the illness. Like they did nothing wrong, God, and you had the ability and you had the power and you didn't do it. And you're supposed to give, not take. And if that is your notion of God, then things do not align. But allow me to give you a new framework for viewing God. I don't believe, and I don't believe that the Bible teaches that God is the one who gives and the devil is the one who takes. Here's what the Bible teaches and here's what I believe. That God is the one who helps and the devil is the one who harms. And the reason why that, those words are not just a word game, why it's a distinction, because not everyone who gives is trying to help. Huh? I remember the first time I smoked weed. I don't do it anymore. It's younger. I was in my basement of my friend. I was in the basement of my friend in New York, and he elbowed me. He said, hey, man, you want to try some? I said, sure. I'll try some. Take it. You know, it's cool. It's cool. Yeah. Church is better, but it's good. <laughs> hey, high with the most high. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Then, then the next time I went over to his house, next time I went out, he said, hey, man, did you like it? I was like, yeah, it was good. He goes, hey, you want to try, try some more? This is my friend. I'm like, that's awesome. Yeah, sure, I'll, I'll try again. So generous. <laughs> and then, so I smoked again. Third time I went over to his house, we were in the basement, we were hanging out, and he goes, um, and I asked him, I said, hey, man, you got some more? He said, yeah. You got $5? Turns out my friend was my drug dealer. <laughs> I had no idea that that was happening. He gave so that he could take later. Not every gift is good. Sometimes people will give so that later they can take. If you don't believe that, just look at every email that you get that starts with you just won. I dare you to open it up. You lose your whole identity. Your kid's identity, somebody owns your home, you just got scammed. Don't ever, ever, if you really don't believe that's true, go home and Google tragic lives of lottery winners. And you'll see the crazy things that happen to people who win millions of dollars. I'm telling you, sometimes the devil gives. There's an ancient story, not in the Bible, but in Greek mythology, of when the Athenians tried to siege the city of Troy and they were unable to do so for many years. And so instead of trying to fight, they built this big horse. You guys know what I'm talking about. And they built this big wooden horse, filled it with hundreds of soldiers, and then left. And they left it there as a gift. And the, the, the Trojans, who did not allow anyone in, who were able to withstand that for years, opened the doors thinking that it was a gift. And when they let them in, the soldiers took control. Here was their first problem, and here is the lesson learned. Never open a gift from an enemy. Let me relate that to us today. Check the sender. That might not be Facebook. Check on the, 
check on the email, check the sender. Everything that comes into your life that is given might not be good, so check the sender. Let me make it more applicable. Not every job offer came from God. It might not be good for you. Don't just take it because it's there. It might not be good. Not every scholarship came from God. Uh, take it, look at it, examine it before you take it. Please, please listen. Not every relationship romantic or platonic came from God. And so before you let that in, check the sender. Does that line up with God's word? Does that line up with what the Spirit's speaking to me in prayer? What do my friends and my families think? Because not everything that is given is good. Sometimes the devil gives. John 10.10, 10, the devil comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. That is why he does what he does, not what he does. Sometimes in order to do those three things, he will give, build, and offer so that he can steal, kill, and destroy. And I need to set that up because if that is true, then the opposite can also be true. If the devil can give to harm you, then God can take to help you. Romans 8, 28 says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good. Leave that on the screen. For the good of those who love him. He doesn't say that if you serve God, good things will happen to you all throughout your life, but that even if bad things happen, the ending of that bad thing, of that bad chapter will result in good. At the end, God might take so that he can give. This is the two-pronged premise of today's talk. Number one, sometimes God takes. And number two, sometimes that's the miracle. Or better said, in today's talk, the title of today's message, when a miracle is what it takes. When a miracle is what it takes. I remember early on when Zane was younger, he wanted to be a baseball player. I say younger because that season of his life lasted like two weeks. We put him in baseball and he did not like it in T-ball and so we took him out. But I remember him first wanting to swing. I got the, the ball and I wanted to throw it to, for him to hit and he went to his toy chest and he didn't pull out a bat. He pulled out a toy trumpet and he, he got in front of the plate with his toy trumpet. And I was like, nah, man, you, that's not what you hit the ball with. So I took, I fought him for the toy trumpet. I gave him the toy bat. He held onto the toy bat, looked at me and just, he wanted that toy trumpet so bad, but I had to take away what he wanted so that he could be who he wanted. A baseball player. Mark chapter 11, verse 20. The next day in the morning, as they went along, they saw the fig tree withered from, say these next two words with me, the roots, the roots, the root. That's interesting that it withered from the roots. If he was mad at the tree for not bearing fruit, why didn't he wither it at the branches? Why not look at the branches and go, you branch who did not bear fruit, wither the branch? <laughs> and why didn't the branch lose its leaves? And then why didn't the branch begin to suck in and, and the leaves fall off? No, no, it said it withered from the roots. Ooh, this is the first lesson of today's message. Lean in, lean in, because this is good. You and I are worried about the fruit. Jesus is working on the root. We pray, God, if you do this miracle in my life, I will have the fruit of happiness. God, do this miracle in my life so that I may experience the fruit of happiness. And God says, I can't do that because the fruit of happiness will only last so long. So instead of giving you the fruit of happiness, which comes and goes, I'm going to work on the root of your sadness. 
Instead of giving you the fruit of a man, I'm going to work on the root of your loneliness. Because if I give you a man and you're still lonely, huh? I'm going to work on the root of your anxiety, the root of your addiction, the root of your depression. I'm going to work on the root of your struggles, the root of your finances. We talking about fruit. Jesus talking about root. Because root lasts longer than fruit. Sometimes God's not going to give you what you want. Sometimes the miracle is God taking what you want in life so that you can be who you want to be in life. Or said differently, because when you become who he made you to be, you will have the kind of life that produces what you want to have. There are times in life, here's my first point, when a miracle is what it takes to produce. If you look at Liz's life today, you would think she's always been perfect. She's so nice and kind and special and beautiful and humble and loves Jesus. But you don't know. I know. I know. I've been married to her for quite a while now. Who she was, BC. Liz BC, before Christ. I know who she was. She was wild. It's a miracle that she's changed. She was wild. How wild? I asked her for permission to share this. If I smoke this much weed, she smoked that much weed. She was wild. Always at the clubs, partying, dancing, sneaking out of the house, telling her parents she was going to a friend's house, and she'd be downtown at the clubs, partying, boys, drugs, alcohol, money. Wild. She gave me permission to share all this. It's a miracle that she's changed. But if I were to tell you what it took for her to experience that miracle, you might not want that same change. You know what it took for her to change? One day she was pulling out of her house, there was raining, she spin, got into a car accident, and the side of her car crashed into a lamppost, almost died. Most people say they almost died in a car accident, and it's like scratch on the side. <laughs> but she legit almost died. She hit the pole, woke up in the hospital. She has a scar over her right head. You can check it out in the lobby like she's some kind of zoo animal if you really want to read the story. <laughs> but she has a scar right here on this side of her head. What happened was the lamppost crashed into the windshield, created a sharp point, and her head, because of the, it stopped falling were just enough where the point penetrated the skin, but one inch it would have penetrated the skull and a little more her brain. And she would have died right there. Next week she went to church. <laughs> but that's what it to see the miracle happen. Huh? Are you seeing it? She was very, very into money before. Financial security was a big thing for her because she was raised like her dad and mom gave her everything. I'm not going to say she's spoiled. I was just going to say for Christmas one year, she got a pony. <laughs> like, like fake, like, like most people, like that's the story stuff. Legit, she got a pony for Christmas. And then, then I see the way she's growing up and I see that she has all these nice things and she has all these businesses. And so now she doesn't care about money at all. Like now she's very, like God's got this. But if you would have seen what it took, to get from that to that, that change, that not trusting in money, but trusting God. The, I remember when we first started dating, I called on the phone, I said, hey, listen, just so you know, I, I noticed you have nice things and that your family has nice things and they took good, good care of you. And I just want you to know, I'm thinking God's calling me to ministry and, and I don't think we're gonna have a lot of money. And I just need to know now, are you down with that kind of a lifestyle? You know what she told me? She said, I rebuke that. 
legit. She said, I rebuke that. Just because you're a pastor don't mean you gotta be poor. I don't receive that. I'm like, okay, okay, I'm just saying it might be. You know what it took? It took after two years of being married where she realized she wanted to be a stay-at-home mom, and so our home went from a two-income home to a one-income home while I'm in ministry. It took food stamps. It took government health insurance. It took living in a roach-infested two-bedroom apartment with saran wrap for windows in a college area of Gainesville that was so loud every night she went to sleep. It took all of those things Years after that, going through that whole life, looking back now how he's provided, looking back now how he's blessed, looking back now how he, it's, it's guys, God's been so good to us. Listen, we got Disney Plus and Disney Passes. God is good. Somehow we've been to uh, Israel. Somehow we've been to Hawaii. Somehow we've been to Europe on a minister's salary. Yo, it's crazy how God has opened these doors for us and just blessed us. We're just convinced, come hell or high water, God is going to provide. And so you look at us and how we trust in God. I wish we could have my, I wish I could have your faith, Pastor JJ, for the, are you willing to, t are you willing to go through what we went through? Are you willing for God to take what he took from us? You look at her now and you go all oh, the way. <laughs> a lot of the sermon is about her. <laughs> you, you, you look at her now and you go, oh my gosh, Pastor Liz, the way you honor your husband, the way you say nice things about him, and the way you encourage, I see the way you pray for him before every sermon. My goodness, such a woman. All you husbands are, oh, my, my wife could honor me like that. They're not going to be somebody. I always, but why you don't know. That's not the girl I married. Once again, I feel the need to tell you, I asked for permission to share these stories. <laughs> she used to yell at me, raise her voice at me. She used to call me names. She called me a punk one time. <laughs> it was so bad. Like, and I asked her, because I was telling her what I was preaching about. I said, babe, what did it take for you to change? She said, it took years and years of me raising my voice at you and you refusing to raise your voice at me. <laughs> it took years of that. Until I realized I needed to change. Listen to me. She's a miracle. But when you realize what it took, let me make a promise to you. If you give one year of your life to Journey Church, one year, and I mean really give it. I don't just mean sit and enjoy the music. I mean you do what Hendrix did. You get in a small group. You get on a team. You come to Next Steps. You go through freedom. You come to every service. You do what he did. One year of your life, and I give you my word you will be a different person in 365 days. God will do a miracle in your life. But it might be the toughest year of your life. Huh? I need all the people who have been here for one year that God has changed your life and has absolutely revolutionized. Would you raise your hand and let the rest of them know? And keep it up if this has been the hardest year of your life. If you went through things you did not think you were going to go through. If you had friends who you thought were friends that you found out weren't friends later. If the money you thought you had, the job you thought you had. But keep your hand up if you got more peace, more joy, more, more love, more purpose, more happiness, more fulfillment. That you found your home, you found life, you found community. It'll work like that. God will change your life. But it might be the hardest year that you've ever been through. Be careful, because when you ask God for fruit, he might start dealing with the root. He might start dealing with the root, because fruit's temporary. You eat it, and it's gone. You ask God, you ask God for a scholarship, he might take away some friends so that you can develop the kind of focus that it takes to earn that scholarship. 
You ask God for a friend, he might take away your overtime so that you can learn to develop a healthy work-life balance that can sustain a relationship with friends. You ask God for a house, he might take away your apartment so you're forced to go back and live with mom and dad and learn how to save money. All the parents said, that's not from God. That's not from God. That's the devil. Sometimes the devil gives. That's the devil. You ask God for an increase in your self-worth, he might take away your net worth so that you can find value in your person and not just your purse. You ask God for a child, he might take away the secret that you've been keeping from your wife or your husband for so many years because what you don't know is the secret you kept from your spouse is the same secret your father kept from his spouse is the same secret your grandfather kept from his house and God needs to destroy the generational curse in your life so that you don't pass down to your kid what your dad passed down to you and what his grand... You don't want to be a sperm donor, you want to be a father, but to be a father, you got to get through some things, get past some things, get beyond some things. God might need to take away some things so that you can be who he created you to be. You ask God for deliverance, he might take away your mental health. Why? Because there's nothing like getting on anti-anxiety pills. Nothing like having to meet with the therapist because the depression got you so bad for the first time in your life, you actually considered ending your life. It isn't until you feel like the end is there that you realize, I think I need to change. I think I need to get back in church. I think I need to serve again. I think I need to come on worship and on encounter night. And I think I need to go on a small group. And I think I need freedom. And I think I need... God takes so that he can give. Why? Because God's not a genie. He's a gardener. You, you, You don't get to rub your Bible three times and then ask for something. BTW. By the way, Have you ever seen how those genie movies end? Every single one of them, minus Aladdin, never end well, right? The genie gives the person what they want and then it all blows up in their face. If you give a human what they want, it ruins their lives. God loves you too much to give you what you want. He's going to trim and he's going to, because he wants to build you into who you want to be so you can have a life that produces what you want. He's a gardener. John 15, one through two, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener and he cuts off. He takes every branch in me that bears no fruit while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Whenever God, it's counterintuitive, but you need to believe it. Whenever God takes It's because he's setting you up to give. Setting you up to give. I'm going to go to my my final point. I'm going to skip my second point. I told everybody I was going to keep it for the last service, but I'm just going to go to the third point. Sometimes in life. Okay, I'll do the second point. I didn't do this throughout the whole services. I'm going to do this real quick. Listen, there are times in life when a miracle is what it takes to multiply. When a miracle is what it takes to multiply. There's a story in the Bible of a young boy who got five loaves of bread and two fish. There were 5,000 hungry people that Jesus gathered. By the way, if you think church is supposed to be small, I'm so glad Jesus didn't think like you. Gathered 5,000 people. Plus women and children. Because he wanted to see as many people get to heaven as possible. So we want the church to grow. Because hell is real. Amen? Amen? Come on. So 
He got to feed all these people, though. <laughs> They're all hungry. John 6, 11 through 14. I always knew that he got the bread and the fish from the boy. Here's what I never realized before. Go ahead, put it on the screen. Are you reading it? Then Jesus... Give me the heck. Hey, I don't know if I'm reading too into it, but it didn't say they asked. And it didn't say he offered. It could have said that, and that would have been a whole other lesson. Give God your bread and your fish and watch what he'll do. Which, uh-uh. The Bible says that they saw the little boy with his bread and his fish, and they took it. Do you imagine that poor little boy? Jesus, I thought you were supposed to be good. Jesus, I thought you were supposed to, I thought you were here to set up the new, the whole new era of the kingdom of the people of Israel. They said you were the Messiah. They said you were faithful. They said you were healing. They said you were a provider. How could you take the only thing I got? And I can't even defend myself because I'm a little boy. I'm powerless to do anything about it. How surprised do you think that little boy was when God did the exact opposite of what he was taught God was? I'll tell you, however surprised he was, he probably wasn't as surprised when Jesus gave it all back, pressed down, shaking together, and running over. Verse 12, and when they had eaten enough, he said to his disciples, gather up the leftovers so that nothing will be lost. And they gathered them up and they filled 12 large bags with pieces, which means that the boy had more than he started, more than enough. More than enough. And when the people saw the miracle that he'd done, they began saying, this is without a doubt the promised prophet who has come into the world. When God, whatever area of your life you feel God snipping at, that's the area of your life that's about to multiply. That's a word. Whatever area of your life you feel God snipping at, that area is about to multiply. A couple of weeks ago, months ago, my father lost his brother. Big deal in our family. They were one of 11, there's 11 of them, and he was the first one to pass away. And, but the family was never close. The family was never tight. He passes away. If you were to ask my dad now, they got a whole group chat going. They talked to each other every day. They came, it was the first time in over 10 years that all of them were in the same room was at the funeral. Are you ready? He lost family, but somehow, this is how God math works. He lost family and ended up getting more family after the loss than he had before the loss. A lot like our Thanksgiving. When God takes, he said, he's setting you up for a gift. Finally, there are times in life, hear me, when a miracle is what it takes to see. To see. Mark chapter 11, 20 through 22, y'all can play. They're like, you let me know, because. <laughs> in the morning, as they went along, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots. Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. Verse 22 gets me, have faith in God. And I like the exclamation part. Rabbi, look, oh my gosh. I don't understand why they're so surprised. Of all the miracles God did, at this point, they already saw him walk on water. 
at this point, they already saw him raise the dead. At this point, they already saw him open the eyes of the blind and open the ears of the deaf. And because he did some, some, some weed fertilizer magic and killed it, that's what got your jaw dropped? Look at the tree that died. Not the other stuff, that. Because in that miracle was a truth that just got revealed to them. They noticed that that tree didn't die because of pestilence or disease or drought or bugs. It died because it withered at his word. In other words, for the first time, they realized you can have all of the water, soil, and sun in your life, but without Jesus, we wither. It was a new revelation that we can't live without Jesus. Oh, I've come to tell you today, you can have all the homes, all the friends, all the good grades, all the scholarships, all the accolades. I promise you, learn what the disciples learned that day. Without Jesus, we wither. And here's the opposite true. With him, we are like a tree planted by streams of water. When it's hot, I stay. When it's cold, I stay. When there's food, I stay. When there's no food, I stay. If without Jesus, I die, then with Jesus, come hell or high water. With Jesus, come enemy or pestilence. With Jesus, come poverty or riches. With Jesus, I can get through anything I live. And if you're listening to me right now and you go, Pastor JJ, that's a lie. Because I'm going through a season where God is taking from me right now and I don't feel good and I don't see the miracle. If that's you, let me encourage you. The only reason you don't see it yet, see, because in order for God to get you to see that he's the only one you need, he has to take away the things you thought you needed. Uh-huh, you see what I'm saying? He, he takes away your only source of income so that you can see he's your true provider. He takes away your father and your mother so you can see he is your father, he is your mother. He takes away your spouse so you can see he is the love of your life. But if you can't see that yet, it's because you're in the midnight hour. Mark eleven twenty. 20. When did the disciples put all the pieces together? In the what? This isn't a slide, but you need to hear this. If you're confused, hurting, and lost today and you walked into church, I got good news. It'll all make sense in the morning. If you've been in our church for some time, you've heard me share this story before and I apologize. But I know that there are new people at our church every Sunday and this story is the life story of my family and of our church. Seven years ago, we had a son who passed away seven hours after birth and uh, his name was Journey. And it was a tough, tough moment. It was before the church started. And his story had a lot to do with why we started the church. And it was not easy. The only thing that kept us sane were the prayers of people. We could just feel it, giving us life. I expressed to people, like there's a lot of hate right now for people on social media who go prayers and thoughts. That's a big deal. For me and my family, I say it was like the gutters in the bowling alley. You know what I'm talking about? No matter how hard you throw that ball, it's not going in the gutter. That's what your prayers were for me. My friend's prayers were for me. As depressed as I, I never fell in the gutter. We never fell in the gutter, but it was hard. It didn't make sense. We had felt like God taken from us. God had taken from us. A year later, we got an email. A lot of people don't know this part of the story. 
a year later we got an email from a mom who had reached out to us earlier on and had told us her story. She had kids from multiple relationships. None of those dads stood around. She found herself pregnant again. She was thinking about terminating the pregnancy. Then she heard our story and about how our doctor really encouraged us to terminate because Journey had like a 0.1% chance of living, which we just held on to the word of God and we just trusted and we just said, you know what? That could be true, but uh, we're Christians. This is what we believe. And so our personal choice, this is what we're making. And like, we're going to let God be God. And uh, she was so inspired by that because she saw how hard he fought to live seven hours after um, being disconnected from the uh, ventilator. So she said, I want you to know um, I'm keeping, we're keeping our baby. We had forgotten about that story. And then a year later, confused and pain, uh, we get this email. And it's a follow-up email. And uh, it was this little girl one-year birthday and the mom sends a picture of her and this is a the little girl and her name is not journey her name is actually johani and the mom wrote in the letter we want you to know our baby is alive because your baby passed away and then she said this and i was like oh. and we want you to know that in our eyes johani who shouldn't be here today Joani is a miracle. He took, but then he gave. He gave. And he didn't just give that wonderful, beautiful baby. He gave this building, this community, learned that if you wait until the morning, you will see the goodness of the Lord. You don't abandon God in the midnight hour. It always looks, I think that's why John, the beloved, didn't abandon Jesus when all the else did. Because when he saw Jesus carrying a dead tree on Friday night, when he was crucified, his mind went back to the fifth, which only happens just a couple chapters earlier. And he goes, wait, 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 wait. Maybe we wait until the morning to see how this story turns out. Remember the fig tree. God can do a miracle in the morning, in the morning, in the morning, in the morning. I want to pray for you today if you need a miracle. I said that every at the end of every sermon, I want to pray for those who need miracles. And so in a moment, I'm going to say, if you need a miracle, raise your hand. But this time, when you raise your hand, I want you to think about it. Because what you're raising hand, what your hand for is, yes, God, I want you to do a miracle. But here's what you're also saying. And if you got to take, if you got to take to give, I'm willing. You can take from this. If that's you, on the count of three, every head bowed, every eye closed, if you feel comfortable, if you have a miracle that you need God to do in your life, on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand and I want you to tell the Lord. And if you got to take to do it, go ahead and take because I trust you. You're a good gardener. On the count of three, if you're in this room, you can hear my voice. You're online. You need a miracle. Raise your right hand or both hands up high to the sky. One, two, three. I need a miracle. Raise your hands. Raise your hand. I need a miracle. I need a miracle. I need a miracle. I need a miracle. I see that hand. In a spirit of surrender, with your hands lifted high, would you tell the Lord, here I am, Lord. Take what you got to take. Do what you got to do. I need a miracle in my life, and I'm asking you to do it. Would you come, Lord? Would you give the breakthrough? Would you be the healer? Would you be the deliverer? 
Whatever you got to do, I surrender. I lift up my hands. Take what you got to take because sometimes the miracle is when it takes. And so if you need me to be somebody, then take out of my life what you got to take out of my life so I can be somebody. I know you're getting ready to multiply. I know I'm getting ready to see you as my Lord, my Savior, my King, my provider. Do what you got to do. I submit and surrender to your plan. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I surrender. I surrender. I surrender. Hands down. One more prayer. Head bowed, eyes closed. If you're in this room and you're far from God, you know exactly why that thing was taken from you. So you can get to this point right here. It was taken so that you can end up in church. Some of you lost something spectacular in 2022. It was taken because when it was taken, you decided, you know, I need to get to church. I need to get in front of God. I need someone in my life to do what I can't do on my own. It was taken so you can get here. This is your moment right here, right now. If you need Jesus in your life, if you're ready to start a relationship with this God I've been preaching about, when I say three, shoot your right hand up to the sky. Jesus, I need you all over this place. One, two, three, right now, hands high, hands high. I see those hands all in the front. I see those hands all over the building, all over the building, all over the building. Praise the Lord. Repeat this prayer after me. Whether you raise your hand or not, Father God, it hurts because you took, but I'm here. I know you're getting ready to bless and give. I'm ready to give to you. I give you my life. My past sins, my future potential, I lay it all down at your feet. Be the Lord and Savior of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this message, and we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life. Please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com give. If you're in the area, join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.